This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Have you ever stopped to wonder what exactly success means to you? Is it money, fame, power, all of the above or none at all? I'm Dustin Johan and this is Redefining Success, the show where we speak to passionate people from various fields about their lives, what makes them tick, and what the word success means to them. On the show with me today is Alvin Wee. He's a Malaysian award-winning Hollywood producer, mixer, and musician. Alvin recently was nominated for Outstanding Achievement in Sound Mixing for his work in Disney's animated feature film Encanto at the Cinema Audio Society Awards 2022. Welcome to the show, Alvin. How do you define success? What does that word mean to you? Thank you for having me on the show. Very, very interesting question because that's that has been kind of swirling in my head a little bit um, in the past, I don't know, 10, 20, you know, how many odd years, you know, <laughs> I've been doing this. But I think, you know, to kind of answer your point about what success is, uh, for me at least, right? right. The, the, the one thing I've been thinking about is it just, first of all, I think you got to define what your goals are. Now, how I define success is if you've met the goals that you've set for yourself in the way that you want in the medium that you like. I know that's very vague, but let me kind of, you know, right. like, construct that a little bit. First of all, I think you need to figure out what, how you see, um, like in every area of your life, do you kind of define it as very something very specific in one very specific area of your life or in all parts of your life with everything in consideration, including family, including your, you know, your, your stability and, you know, including your, your, let's say financial stability might, right. might be, might factor into that, you know, um, uh, commercial success might, you know, factor into that or whatever, um, like all of that on top of what you're doing, doing what you love. The Japanese have this thing called Ikigai, where it's like, you know, there's a, there's a Venn diagram of things where you're like, what people need, what I can do, what I can make money. I think that the last one is um, what, what makes me happy. So these four right. things when they intersect in the middle of that four things that intersect is called Ikigai, where you realize that what you do makes people happy and, and you can make money and, and what is what people need. As someone who's like always never satisfied, I define success as finding the balance between like um, your career, you know, Mm -hmm. like whatever it means to to that. Like if you want to, you know, a friend of mine who's like a video game composer and he just wants to do video games and has, you know, a a nine to five job and like goes back home and spends time with his wife and his cats and whatever. And another friend's like, you know, high power executive and wants to do the 6 a.m. till midnight and right. <laughs> comes back, you know, like, and so I, I like for me, um, I like to take a little bit of both of that. I okay. want the, the, the career, you know, obviously I want to be working on things that I enjoy, which is in, in this, in this instance, music specifically, um, whether it's for film, whether it's for bands, whether it's for songs or whatever, just working on music. Um, being able to not only make a living, but make a kind of a long standing career out of it and also have a family life and kind of the balance between having time for my home, my friends and my family because I'm extroverted and also having time and and devote enough energy to my career. Oh, and 
personal health, which is very, very important to me. Mm-hmm. So this, these three things, if I can get all of that to be in good harmony with each other, I define that as success. Talk to me about two points in your life. When did you fall in love with music as a craft? And also the second point, when did you realize that you can, you know, make, can and want to make a career out of it? Obviously, I'm from Kuching, which is on Borneo Island, which is right. part of Malaysia and, you know, mm-hmm. Sarawak. So you kind of fly into KL, you fly into Sarawak, and that's like a two-hour flight or whatever. And, and you know, even though it is, you know, we're, 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 we're off the same country, there are certain things that just physically take longer to get to us. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like um, this, and this is a very specific moment in my life where I was like, okay, I need to get a, like a, a, a recording writing software. So there's this thing called Logic Pro back in, I don't know, 2002 or something. And um, I was trying to order it, right? So I went to the Mac store, the only Mac store in Kuching. And I'm <laughs> like, hey, I like to get this because I've learned, I want to learn how to program and learn how to, you know, like make beats or whatever and like mix and whatever. And they said, yeah, sure, we'll order it for you. And it took two months for it to get to Kuching. And I opened it and like, you know, read, learned about it. You know, it was a bunch, it was a lot of money. And we went like, we weren't, you know, like as privileged going out with like, maybe expendable income some, mm-hmm. sometimes. So I, I remember that was the very moment where like I put it up and I was learning about it, and, you know, still kind of like making really, really terrible demos or whatever. <laughs> and um, that was that one pivotal moment. Like, if, you know, I waited, I waited like, I don't know, like this this long to do this. Like I I, I want to do this forever. You know, if, if there's right. some way to make this my career, yes, let's do it, right? And then, you know, I... Obviously, like at that point, like no one's going to give you money if you're going to like, you know, if you don't know what you're doing and you kind of learn and it's kind of part of the process and all that. But the the moment when I realized I could make a career out of it wasn't much later until like, you know, I was playing in bands and whatever and getting to that. But like the moment I could realize that it was like, okay, I can not only pay my bills, but like, you know, eventually start a family and all that off the income of this and, and make it into like something that was sustainable. Was well, like maybe I want to say the second or third year I was in Los Angeles. So it would right. be like 2015, 2016. And I've, you know, gone through a lot and, and whatever. And, and um, you know, like I think I was on... Kung Fu Panda 3 or something. Okay. They give me like, they give me like a, a paycheck and I saw these things <laughs> like proper money. And I'm like, oh my God, this is huge money. <laughs> like, you know, that was the point where I thought, oh, if I keep doing this and people would take my work or people would take me and, and that, I, I, yeah, I can make, you know, I, I totally can make a career out of this. Certainly. And now I want to rewind the clock a little bit. When did you fall in love with music? Um, uh, because I'm guessing that wasn't the first time you you, you dove into music. Um, I'm guessing you played instruments prior to that. Uh, well, you know, like every good, um, I want to say like every good Malaysian parents, they're like, you need to learn classical music, right? So my <laughs> mom put me in, in piano classes. So I right. did it, you know, associate board of Royal School of Music or whatever it's called um, for like a couple of years. And I started at like seven and I kind of loved it, but I, I, didn't like, you know, didn't think too much of making it a career at that point. But right. I did. I, I loved, you know, the 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 playing of music made me like 
really happy. I looked forward to every class and, you know, I was terrible at my skills, terrible at my music, but went anyway. And then um, there was this like, I think uh, the, the moment when I truly fell in love with it was when I, um, I saw this like guitar shredder come by Kuching and his name was like Paul Gilbert. And, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he was like, you know, for those who don't know, it was like this guitar player played really fast. It's like six foot four and skinny and lanky, mm-hmm. you know, um, and he put on this really cool show where it's just not like, it's not just music, but like, you know, he's like rocking out and it was loud and all that. And that was the moment where like, I want to do something like that and be a rock star. Right. Really <laughs> enjoyed myself. When and why did you decide to venture or pivot into film music sound mixing? Because that is something very niche. Um, not everyone who, you know, sits in front of a piano or picks up a guitar or goes to a rock concert and sees someone rocking out eventually then transitions into something very specific that is to work on film music and then to do yeah. um, sound mixing um, in, in that sense. Um, how did that come about? <laughs> uh, well, that's, it's, uh, so I, I think that one, you know, first of all, like, I, I think there's a, I want to kind of clarify to make right. sure that, that there is, uh, there is a, a little bit of deviation from like just sound mixing, score mixing. And, mm-hmm. and like, and I think the difference between that is in sound mixing, you are combining the dialogue, you know, like when we're speaking or you're combining the sound effects or the thing, um, the, the ambiences and, and all this stuff with the music and they call it like the final mix, the final right. sound mix. And, um, and I have friends and I had to work with a lot of like very talented sound mixers on this project. And, you know, um, it's it's a, it's a whole different skill set that I am complementary to, where I specifically work on all the score, which is all the beautiful incidental music, which is orchestral music that I'll touch on a bit, mm-hmm. and also the songs that are part of it. And I know it's very niche, but I think you know it all comes back to, I think you know you you, you touched a little bit about like rock concerts and, right. and 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 bands and all that, and you know I I grew up being a musician, playing guitars, playing rock heavy rock guitars and you know even worked with you know a couple of, of like singers and all that and have always been fascinated by the the life element of it where they'll have like a band but they'll have an orchestra and a pit and then they'll maybe have like you know a big percussion section and they'll have all these like all this other you know the, the band gets bigger and bigger in, right. in live production and i've always been fascinated by the use of orchestra together with a, a rock band or a like you know a, 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 a maybe like a guitar shredder or something like that and also like the use of an orchestra in like uh, the, the the setting of a pop artist where like they would you know you hear it in the songs and all that and i thought that was like the coolest thing ever and, mm-hmm. and it was like oh my god so i didn't set out to go work specifically in film music you know i am and i still enjoy like producing music for artists, right? right. And, and I think there is a, a, a need to understand that whole part of it because when I hear music, I have a very like um, huge attachment to the visual aspect of it where I can like, you know, when you hear a piece of music, you're like, oh, I can see how this video works. So I can right. see certain things and I can picture certain things. So 
I found that the music, whether it's to a, a, a film score or it's it's a it's a pop song or it's a, a indie band or like something, it's all it's all beautiful music, and all you got to do is really make it sound good, you know. And and like in in film music, obviously, um, a lot of it is done by the single composer, and they only bring you in the last you know at the last like maybe four weeks or whatever and okay. say, hey, can you help me kind of combine this? Mm-hmm. And a lot of composers just like, you know, they're good with pen and paper, but they might not um, maybe pay too much attention to technology. So I learned a lot of the technology part uh, because of my school program in uh, Berkeley College of Music. And just also I had an interest in that because I didn't know, like I said, back to the story of the Logic Pro and all that. Um, so I came out, when I, when I came out to LA, I was like, well, I'm going to learn that part of it if I want to be able to incorporate that into my productions. And just, you know, I met, I met a composer that, you know, when I first came out and she was like, Hey, I got this Sundance thing and um, I need a mixer, but I also need you to chop up some drum beats and all that. And, you know, I might need you to like, like help produce all the, the hip hop stuff that's part of it. And, and put it into my score or like integrate it or whatever, and also then mix it in five one. So it was like, it was a bunch of things, right? So, and I said, yeah, you know, I'll do it. And so on Christmas day, I I, I, I came to the studio because I couldn't leave. I was a, 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 a I was my OPT at that point. And um, I, I did all of that for her. It went to Sundance. It got a lot of recognition. You know, they had like, they had like a music artist attached to right. it. Um, and because of that, like, but that became so successful that she, you know, started getting things. And then she got this thing called um, Coco, which was a Disney film. Mm-hmm. And then she got like a couple of things. And she constantly, like she's, she's always been one of my biggest supporters. She, you know, she took a chance on me and like now, and then like years later, and this is kind of full circle moment where like, that's how I got into it. And that is how I'm here today because she's the composer of Encanto and she's the right. first person who gave me my first chance. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got into it and kind of stuck with it. Now, Elvin, you've worked on many Hollywood films, um, I think since 2014, 13, around there, um, including right. Kingsman and a lot of other films. Um, hmm. What has been the most interesting or important or memorable experience so far? Personally, my, my first film when I came in as kind of like an assistant, like score mixer was Kingsman 1. Mm-hmm. And I think that means I, I have a poster in my apartment that's like you know like signed by the whole music team because like you know it was it was such a memorable one i think that that would be the one that kind of stuck out to me as being special because it was like my first introduction to it and right it's been very um it's been very meaningful i mean it got me you know to where i am got me to meet you know all these people and got me to do all these things so i would say kingsman one is one and one of the more recent ones, obviously, is Encanto, which is, right. you know, which which has been so pivotal in my career and pivotal in my life. And I think it's so important to tell a story the right way. And, you know, like like we as Malaysians and you yourself being a storyteller with this podcast and whatever, you want to be able to um, get the right things, the right facts and the right stories and, and all, all the small details. And I think, you know, everyone on that film, like, did that from every small aspect. So I think it was very important. Now, the reason I'm focusing a lot on the film side of of your career, right, is because recently you've been nominated 
um, for an accolade at the Cinema Audio Society Awards of 2022 in, in Hollywood for Encanto. And this uh, is the first time uh, a Malaysian has gotten nominated for, for this uh, award. And, and it's, it, it is a really big deal. Um, it, it's something really cool. Tell me about um, 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 the experience working on Encanto specifically. Um, what was it like um, working with the team? Um, what was it like for you putting, putting the music together, working on the, the technology side of things? And, what does, and, and also, what does this nomination mean to you? First of all, I think it's very important that everyone kind of, it was, it was great and it was amazing that everyone connected with the movie and mm-hmm. the, the music and, and particularly, you know, just the amount of, of, uh, of support and, and reception that it was, you know, kind of given to the film. And on the, 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 the sound and, and cinema audio sound team, um, I, I do this because I want, you know, I want to bring impact to, first of all, to um, cinema. And mm-hmm. also I want to be part of, uh, you know, part of uh, start something where people can like look at me and say, hey, you know, like he looks like me, he speaks like me. He came from when I did. And I, and he, he's very, uh, you know, he, he's doing, you know, he's doing this cool, old, quote unquote, cool stuff. And, and I want to, be able to say like, oh, as someone who does that, um, you can do it too. And it's not, it's not impossible, you know, mm-hmm. like, like, you know, it's kind of like a, like we, you know, the, the more, the, the, the more we see, the more we do, you know, like I want to kind of present like the possibility of something that maybe not everyone gets to do and say like, you are no different than everyone else that does this and all all you need to do is to see and have a role model that can do that I'm not saying that i'm like you know the the, the or whatever it's just more of, um i think it's important to have small little like leaps of people doing things that will then help you know propel the, the, the industry forward and bring bring forth a lot more new intelligent talented people into into the, the industry and make it even better um, so that saying kind of like how I felt about it, like, you know, it's, it's more about that. Mm-hmm. And also just, I think I was very proud of the entire team that worked on the, the film because, you know, big productions like this takes years, you know, from the storyboard to, to, you know, scripting to, to like with Lin-Manuel writing right. part of the story and all that and the songs and all that. And not only that, but, you know, even in the sound team, right? Like I said, there's so many different parts to it. There's the, what we call the, the sound mixer, the dubbing mixer, the guy who combines the, the visual effect, the, the sound effects and, and the, the ambience and the, 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 the vocals or the dialogue with the, the, there's a song mixer, the guy who makes all the songs, right? Because like, again, being a musical, it's, it's incredibly difficult to like, and challenging, you know, to to kind of balance what dialogue is and and um and what uh, you know like what vocals are as right. a singing thing, mm-hmm. and you have to make it all completely seamless in this dome of things. And then not only that, 
where you have the songs and you have dialogue, you have the songs and the score that kind of blends in and out. And like, you know, I, if, if, if you know, anyone's watched it, they know that it's just one seamless thing. You don't know what score, you don't want song, mm-hmm. but like this, all this people at the back there. And I mean, like orchestrators, copyists, like big, 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 big teams that help make it happen. So, you know, I think the nomination is very well deserved. And if you ask me, the, the, the win is very well deserved. On the show with me today is Alvin Wee. He's an award-winning Hollywood producer, mixer and musician. After the break, I ask him how his 10-year-old self would feel about where he is today. We'll be back with more on Redefining Success, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Redefining Success. I'm Dachran Johan and on the show with me today is Alvin Wee. He's a Malaysian award-winning Hollywood producer, mixer and musician. So, Alvin, you are in a position um, where you work on um, big-time Hollywood films now. Um, you talked about how, you know, how excited you were when, when that Kung Fu Panda paycheck came and you went like, whoa, okay, so this this is it. Like, I can't do this, you know, uh, and, and make a, bit, a bigger career out of it and all of that. But talk to me about your journey prior to that. How much effort um, and how determined did you have to be um, how much did you have to strive to reach the point where you are right now where you know you've received a nomination for Encanto um, I'm guessing your paycheck is much bigger than it was as well um, talk to me about that journey the crux of that is like how how convicted are you and you're on your own talents and how much can you convince other people of that you know right. like we, we, we are we are what we believe we are and, and, you know, I always believe that I'm never better than anyone else, but I can always compete with everyone if I put my, I set my mind to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes to hard work, I think it is, you know, friends have told me that I work really hard and I, I, I think I don't, I still don't believe that I work harder than most people, but that's, you know, all my friends are like, no, like you need to take rest sometimes. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I, I, to, to be fair, I did, you know, I did a lot of long nights. I did a lot of like overnights. I did a lot of, um, like, you know, this, like I said, I worked on Christmas for one year cause I couldn't go home. I couldn't go anywhere. I had no, like no reason to leave. You know, I had, a I, I had a year to kind of, you know, like transition from an OPT to something else. So there was a lot of, um, I want to say fear of of not succeeding or at least the goal wasn't to succeed i'll be honest with you the goal was to at least be able to pay rent if i could right. pay rent and and stay in in la at that point like that that was that was it so there was a lot of fear instilled in me there was a lot of like just um uncertainty that i've i've tried to you know through through the years kind of be okay with and say like you know like we're not saving lives here this time you can take some time off if, you know and and i had a great mentor who's you know he was a he's a great record producer he did like the stereophonics and he's worked with like you know um like uh the pixies and stuff like that and he's mm-hmm. he, he's the one who taught me that you know like find your balance like always find a balance and i've been really trying to do that and I'm not like, I don't think I'm really succeeding in that yet. Speaking of success. Um, but I did, I did work a lot. Um, 
for many years. Uh, and then, you know, even in school, I was so afraid and, you know, they, they talk about burnt out. So I burnt out really early in my career, which I think was a great thing because then I realized where my limit was and I tried to figure out why the balance is. So also, you know, you're kind of in LA where like everyone's like all about the, the hippie dippy, like, you know, it's all cool, man. Chill out, do something right. and all that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and it's, it's hard, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm finding my way towards that a little bit more, you know, like going to the gym regularly, trying to find, you know, more like mindful time, trying mm. to stay off social media and all that. Uh, but working hard is kind of part of my, like, it, you know, it's been a huge part of my identity for so long. Like I, I've never been cutthroat where like, you know, I would like destroy someone or like wanting to kind of like badmouth anyone to get a hit. Like that's not my that's not my thing at all. So it's hard when I, um, then I explain that I just, I just keep working. Right. It's kind of mm-hmm. like a, like, you know, again, it's, it's the Malaysian work ethic of like, let's keep, you know, let's get, let's get to the work. We're, we're going to be going to do it well and work harder and, and, and do as much as everyone else and just be as friendly and just be as accepting and just be as, you know, um, accommodating people. Do you also so, have to um, work, part-time or juggle different gigs, different jobs, um, perhaps work in the corporate sector or anything like that to sustain yourself. Um, like you said, at, at that point, all you wanted to do was, you know, you want to be able to pay rent and live in LA. W- were there points where, you know, to be able to pay rent, you had to do um, things that perhaps you didn't necessarily love, um, didn't, didn't necessarily uh, want to do, but you know that it was a sacrifice that you had to, had to make? I was fortunate enough because again, from the burnout from school, like I said, for, at school I worked a little too hard. Right. And and so I the 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 kind of good thing that came out of that, I guess, was um meeting a lot of people who like when I landed in LA immediately like helped me out. They're like, oh, this guy's good. Cause the great thing about being in a community like Berkeley is they recognize talent. Talent recognizes talent and they kind of like try to get you on things. So the moment I landed, like people are like, hey, like you should be doing this or what. I just kind of like, like they say, hit the ground running and I was working, you know, I was, again, I took all the the terrible jobs, like the the 7 a.m.s and like the, you know, the late night, like people, people are just chilling in the studio and you right. just gotta kind of like sit there and like wait till they write their song or whatever. Um, so yeah, you know, it was, I, I didn't have to do any of the corporate job thing from that perspective, obviously, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but you know, I did have to take like some commercial music that I had to write or something uh. and uh, like in LA, but like it was still music based. It was right. very, very in, uh, stu- very on, on point with like everything I was doing. Mm. How, have your parents um, been very supportive of your endeavors? Because like you said, you know, you come from a, a Malaysian family, an Asian family. Um, you know, it's most families, um, yes, they might send you to music class. At the end of the day, they, 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 they want you to, you know, get a stable job, doctor, lawyer, engineer. That, that's, that stereotype is true to, for a lot of people. Um, <laughs> what, what did your parents say when you, you said, you know, you want to go off to Berkeley to study music and then after that venture into, um, you know, actually making music a part of your life, like in, in terms of career and all of that? Um, were they like, okay, go for it? Or did they were there like, you know, serious 
this massive yelling and and screaming right. at home or right. you know your parents saying like are you completely out of your mind what are you doing <laughs> or what 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 is your family dynamic like in that sense uh, well <laughs> you know i yeah i i think you know a lot of a lot of uh, malaysian listeners can definitely relate to that um <laughs> And you know, like like you said, you're either a doctor, lawyer, engineer, or failure, right? That's, that's the, the, the <laughs> exactly. Career, the career choices in that Malaysia. Um, well, you know, I my my late father, he 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 passed when I was 16. So it was, you know, it was hard, but I, I think, you know, to his credit, when he was around, he he made sure that I had everything I needed, you know, like financially, like I, I went to, I went to a decent school, you know, I had, I had a, a shelter on my head. I had, you know, food on my plate. I had clothes and, you know, everything was taken care of. And my mom was the most loving woman and she's still in Kuching and she's, you know, she's like kind of chilling out and just, you know, enjoying her friends going up. Hey, I saw your son kind of thing. So <laughs> my, um, I have, I have the most loving mom. Uh, she was very supportive. She may not have understood, but she had faith. And I think, I think those two can coexist. And I think the the point that I want to drive home to maybe your listeners and to friends who whoever's listening to this is that you can have someone who may not understand, but will believe in you. And again, you know, it goes back to the kind of betting on yourself kind of thing. Um, and I also want to make another point clear that I was very lucky to have my mom support me when I studied. And again, you know, my, my dad made sure that like that was taken care of. And, you know, I had a, a different degree and I didn't use that. So, you know, my dad was like, well, you can go study music in Boston or whatever. And you're going to come back and like, you know, you can you can do whatever, take over the family business or whatever, you know, right. like we, we all have that story. And, you know, my, my dad passed on, but I decided I was going to Berkeley. I was like, okay, I got to learn this. Even if I don't use it, I'll find a way to make me make it part-time. They eventually make it full-time. Um, and, you know, when I went to, to, to Boston, again, my mom was like, you know, like, well, you know, you're going to come back a year later or whatever. <laughs> and and it, she didn't say it in like a derogatory term. Right. She's just like, you know, there's a lot of love that comes from that. You know, I think all our family wants and all family fears is that we don't have a future to look forward to. And it's true. Cause like, if you do this, you do what I do. The first three years, again, you know, are you going to stay up to like 6am, you know, like do your, your night gig, wake up at 6.30, meaning you sleep 30 minutes, you know, wow. the same clothes. Yeah, I know. I, you know, we, 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 <laughs> it was, it was, it was scary, but you know, the, the point was that, you know, like, are you going to, are you going to do that? without knowing where the next thing's going to come, not like right. not the next rice ball or whatever, but like the next, you don't know when things like what I'm doing now will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously with a, a little bit of my father and my mom's like kind of um, entrepreneur, like mindset, I think I, I understood that there was a business side to this music thing and you got to kind of marry both of that. And I think once my mom saw me kind of, you know, like, um, like she saw me performing with ZRV in the Golden Horse. And like, you know, for, for being growing up Chinese, Chinese Malaysian, and my a lot of my family are like from the, the Chinese kind of educated kind of stream. Mm-hmm. So to them, it's like a, a, a very successful, very huge thing to be, first of all, at the Golden Horse, B, to be able to perform there, C, ZRV, and D, mm-hmm. like have the song that you produce with. So like she saw that and she's like, Oh, okay. I get it now. Like, you're just going to do this the rest of your life. And like, it's going to be a thing. So, mm-hmm. 
um, there was a lot of support. There was a lot of belief. But, you know, again, understanding, like, you cannot picture something you don't know what it is, you know, like, so again, so I think, like, my life calling here is to kind of, like, help people say, hey, you know, it's doable. It's hard, but it's doable. Certainly. Uh, apart from um, working on films, uh, music in films, do you also still do other things when it comes to music? Um, perhaps, um, are you in a band? Do you work with other artists actively? Do you write songs? Yeah, um, I do. I mean, you know, sometimes, um, again, one of my, okay, back to ZRV and like the other, the, right. the, the co-writer of the song, Rendra Zawawi, who's a close friend of mine and, and a frequent collaborator, he he and I write songs together sometimes and sometimes I produce it for him. And, you know, I, I go into the whole production mindset where like I, you know, they can write a melody and then it comes to me with just maybe a piano and I flesh it out into a band and, and then we, you know, we either go record it or I just program stuff and he programs stuff and then we kind of produce the, the vocals together and then say no. Um, it's, uh, so I do a lot of music production uh, with with artists. You know, I've got a couple of things kind of in the works with Malaysian artists. I I still write songs. Um, you know, I'm, I I love writing music and and um, I, I I do that with a couple of friends here as well. One of them, you know, being actually Malaysian, names Anne Marie, um, and and you know we we try to release it as much as we can. And obviously, like I I try to keep a good balance because I believe that. You can't be a good mixer. You can't understand sound without understanding first music. Um, you know, I'm I'm very curious. You know, if you could look at your ten year old self right now, um, what would you think your ten year old self would feel about where you are today? I was focused on Transformers at that point. You know what I mean? Right, <laughs> right. Like, but, right. but you see, but you see the th- the cool thing is now you're the guy. <laughs> who makes the music? Maybe not yeah. Transformers, but on these you know, big, big, big films. Yeah, you know, do you think yeah. your ten-year-old self would be absolutely mind blown by that fact? I think, I think so. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I think they'll be like, how? You know, like yes. First of all, mind blown, completely right. mind. My ten-year-old self would be like, uh, who are <laughs> like what? Like I can't. You know, um, at the same time, I think my 10-year-old self would be very pleased. Like, mm-hmm. oh my, you know, like, I, you know, if my 10-year-old self knew what my 30-year-old self would have done, I think he, he would, like, feel a little better about himself and not feel like the weird music kid in school. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great. Um, <laughs> how do you measure growth, Elvin? Um, it could mm-hmm. be uh, different people. Some people measure growth year on year and they have different... Um, ideas of what that growth uh, will be. Um, I was talking right. to a guest last week um, and he's uh, um, in, in corporate um, commercial film production and he says mm-hmm. he measures growth um, six months. You know, every six months he sort of sits down and reflects, have I grown? How do you sort of, do you, do you think about what growth is and, and how do you measure whether you are growing as a person? First of all, I don't. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> That's I, fair I try. Yeah. <laughs> I, I maybe not consciously. Uh, right. To be fair, I, I, you know, again, my 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 lovely, beautiful wife Leia. She she also works in this industry with me. She's not a mixer, but she's a she's a music editor. So we're also in music for film and TV. And she right. does. And then she did a DreamWorks thing last like like two years ago. Last year, I mean, the pandemic has kind of been one whole thing. Um, she did a spirit, and she's done like all these big TV shows, and you know, it's very cool and all that. 
And she keeps me in check because I, again, you know, don't know my limits, but every, every so often um, I measure growth by asking her if I'm being an idiot, you know, and then she'd be like, no, you know, you should keep going. Then, you know, I go and like, I do that. And, and every time it's, it's always like better and better. And then when I, when I feel uh, like I, I usually measure growth when I feel by, by my, like kind of, I'm trying to learn how to be more in tune with my emotions. And, right. and the one thing that I've, I've learned about that is every time I'm a little more um, uncertain, I get like really scared of like that next step. I will go to her and say like, oh, I'm like, you know what that was? <laughs> She'd be like, okay, you're being an idiot. You know what you're, <laughs> you know what you're doing. You, you know, like she's, she's, she's very, she's just the nice, like Canadians mm-hmm. are just the, 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 the most <laughs> nicest people on earth. Um, and I'm glad I'm married. But, um, and so she, she would tell me like, you're fine. You're, you know, you're doing all right. This is a major thing. And that's the checkpoint where like, once I kind of clear the like fear, you know, and I, I check on myself, which is like usually every, mm-hmm. I think every year. Like, you know, if, if I know that I'm, I'm scared of something, I know I'm growing. It means that like, there's something uncertain, there's something I'm going towards and there's something after that, that I will experience. Hmm. Now, before we wrap this conversation up, um, I, I just got a couple more questions for you. Um, you know, at the start of the show, you talked about what success meant to you. And, and to you, it's this idea of, of balance, a balance between um, what is, of course, very necessary, which is financial stability, um, the ability to take care of yourself, your family. Then there's also, of course, um, doing, doing something you love. Um, there is this idea of, of making people happy. And, 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 you know, in between all of that is, is that this idea of success for you. Do you think where you are right now, um, do you consider yourself, um, do you think you have attained that, that balance? No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the, the problem is, you know, right. I, I, I'm still a little bit of a workaholic. So. <laughs> <laughs> Being very honest here, you know, like right, if, of course. this is a long form thing. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm, I, I don't think I've, I'm, I'm successful with that yet. Mm. When it comes to like, specific parts of my life like you know like um having having a loving partner yes um having a you know quote unquote successful career yes you know having you know uh having time for myself yes but um having the balance between striking that balance between you know working enough where it makes you fulfilled and also time for friends and time for family no i don't think i've hit that balance yet so by that measure, you know, like I, I, I'm not, not successful. That doesn't mean that I'm not working on it, but it does mean that, you know, um, that part is always a constant, like, I think it's a constant thing, you know, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of people can relate to that. Certainly. All right. Before we wrap this conversation up, Elvin, what does it feel like doing something you love? <laughs> Um, it makes you a workaholic. I mean, you know, like it's, it's like a drug. I'll be honest mm-hmm. with you. It really, it really is a drug because you enjoy it. People get, uh, you know, the same, give you the same feedback because they enjoy it. They enjoy working with you. And like, you know, I, I, I always like, I, I'd say to a lot of my friends and I tell that to a lot of people, and maybe, you know, this may not be a hundred percent true, uh, but I believe it that I don't, 
I absolutely have no idea. I'm not, I absolutely have no idea what I'm doing sometimes. And like, I'm not the best guy who knows the technical stuff or the, you know, whatever. I think the huge part of what I bring into the table is just me being myself, which is being able to make people feel like they're hurt, feel like they've been taken care of, feel like there's, there, there is the feedback that they get, you know, because like, I believe that music, especially in, in any creative in any creative part of, of, of this industry. Um, it's not done in a vacuum and beautiful, you know, uh, uh, pieces of art and, and works happen when, you know, things collide and there's friction or there's right. not, and there's, you know, whatever. And I, 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 and that's the part that I love a lot. It's just this, this, you know, talking to someone, giving them, getting that feedback and then coming up with an idea or coming up with something or doing something that, that makes it feel really great. And, you know, when it comes to that balance, which I'm trying to learn, um, I find that, you know, these people that I collaborate with ends up becoming my friends. And mm. because they end up becoming my friends, I just end up just being in the studio a lot because I just right. end up hanging out with them and like, you know, mm -hmm. like we'll go in, work on music, you know, order food and like chill out. And like, it's, it's a great thing. And, you know, obviously like also we're Malaysians, so we like to let up, right? So I'm, I'm, <laughs> Absolutely. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to like introduce people that's like, look, like, you know, we're kind of working, but we're not. And obviously mm -hmm. you don't get the balance because then there's in the family side of it, then the personal development side of it and the, the, the spiritual and the, the emotional and mental stuff. So I am, um, I, I, you know, first and foremost, yes, absolutely love it. Love it so much that I need to find a way to, you know, get enough balance of the, other, the rest of the things in my life. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today, Alvin. Uh, thank you, Dashran. That was Alvin Wee. He's a Malaysian, award-winning Hollywood producer, mixer, and musician. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can check out the podcast on the BFM app, BFM.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcast from. You just have to search Redefining Success. I'm Dashran Johan, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.